Hi, welcome to the Sacred You podcast. I'm Rachel Goodwin and I'm a channel and healer who loves to teach and empower others. I offer a look at spirituality in fresh and new ways and you can see more of my work at my website at rachelgoodwin.dk and the classes and sessions that I do. Ahu heia valea noi e kahaliko puaku kui kuhia ho kaunaia akapu kumoni nei pikui kahima no ikahapili. Today I'm interviewing the very special Annie Williams, who is a harpist, singer, author and sound therapist of many, many, many years experience. She's performed worldwide since the 1980s and has recorded more than 24 albums of original music based on ancient sacred traditions. She has done research in sound healing and the relationship between musical tones, the human voice and healing. Annie founded Songaya Sound Medicine and is a practitioner and lecturer. Now her trainings are available as an online course. And today we're going to be talking about all of these things and more. Enjoy. Welcome everyone to another episode of Sacred You and today we are talking to Annie Williams. Hello Annie. Hi there, how are you? (laughs) Well yeah I'm having quite a good day, I'm having quite a good day. I've been for a jog this morning and and, yeah I like to get I like to get a bit of exercise in because I spend so much time in front of my computer I have to like you know get the old blood going a bit right and um right. yeah the weather's okay for me it's it's not brilliant how is it how is it where where you are I'm where are you actually where are you living I'm I'm in the south of France close to the Mediterranean and close to the Pyrenees oh. and it's quite overcast the last few days we have periods of days and days where we don't see the sun and that's Oh, I don't like that because I, I lived for 44 years in Sedona, Arizona, which is all about the sun. And um, so I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to be here in the green, lush, vibrant springtime. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. But then when the sun comes out, it's really appreciated. 
Oh, it sounds lovely. I've been I've been to France quite a lot when I was a kid. My parents loved France, and my dad actually was an engineer for Sealink, which was like Britain's like version of like a ferry service between um, France and and the UK. And so we would go on holiday every year to France and a lot to the south of France. And, you know, when I was a kid, I thought it was such a drag. Oh, God, here we go to France again. And now I look back and I just think, oh, that was so amazing, Rachel. You never appreciated how I love I love the Pyrenees. I love the Languedoc. I just, oh, my God, my heart's really part of it is there. Yeah, the history here is is quite rich. And, of course, the land of the troubadours, which ties in with what we're doing. Um, Yeah, the the music, the poetry, the history, uh, a land of Cathars, uh, Templars, Mary Magdalene traditions, really rich. It has so much. It has so much. And, yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you today only about music and all the well, we probably won't get to talk about all the things that you do because there's a lot, isn't there? <laughs> right. I, I would say I wear many hats, and today I have my my uh, healing sounds hat on. And the other day I'm writing, and another day I'm doing a, a music presentation or whatever. But anyway, yeah. And you're an astrologer, so this is going to be fun. No, I'm not an astrologer. You're not. No, I'm a channel. I do I do channeling. Ah, so but you do work with astrology, I think, right? No. Did, you said that to me before and I said, No, I don't do astrology. <laughs> Perhaps you're seeing it. Perhaps you're seeing it in my aura or something. I have I have used astrology a lot for myself and I know quite a lot about astrology, but I've never used it like professionally. Yeah, I think yeah. maybe Came out in one of our uh, messages back and forth. I think that was it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm really, I'm really fascinated with the link. It's the first time that I've come across like that link with astrology and music is is through you. I that's not something I've heard of before. Well, I think that's part or a great deal because of the fragmentation in the sciences and ways of life, um, aspects of living have been become fragmented, wherein in the ancient times they were unified. And um, I was just writing something today on the Egyptian traditions of establishing a temple. And when they laid out the measurement, it was based on the proportions of geometry, music, and the stars. And, and laid out in harmony with the celestial and, and terrestrial cycles. So, you know, they were all unified in the past. And I think that's one of the big problems that we have as a human race today is that things are so fragmented, it's confusing for many. But when it was a unified field, you know, unified traditions that... that it, encompass the spiritual, the earthy, the the growing of crops and the stars and everything worked in unison. And and I think that's what we need to return to today to to help uh, come back into harmony. 
Yeah. And um, one, of, one of the things I was reading in the in the article you sent me was where you were talking about like how, you know, even today, like the Tibetan Buddhist monks, they're like doing this continuous chanting and that, that has been a practice. You know, you can find it in lots of different places at lots of different times in the world. And I, di- I didn't know that, actually. I mean, I knew it existed and... The perpetual chants were, were um, you're from England, right? Or yeah, so, yeah. Um, there was a tradition in Engl- in southern England uh, of the perpetual choirs, and they were emanating from key centers, from Stonehenge, from Glastonbury Abbey, and from a place called Lantwit in in Wales according to John Michel. And um, so these perpetual choirs kept a harmonious intention ringing throughout the landscape for all living beings, for not only the humans, but for all the creatures. And for the land itself, it kept a harmony perpetually. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that is it. I, I, I totally get that. Because um, I've worked with chant a lot and not because I know a lot about it, but because that's where I've been led and I sort of get obsessed with things, <laughs> you know, like when I was young, I'd get obs- obsessed with pop songs and I would play them all the time. And then as I got older, I would get obsessed with different chants and they would generally be in foreign languages, whether it was Sanskrit or Hawaiian but just like one, like over and over again, like maybe for a year or something like that. And then at some point I started singing them to the land and the land loved it. And then I became in relationship with the land. Yes, yes, yes. That's exactly it. You're giving a perfect example, Rachel. And and this, this singing to... Different species absolutely creates a reaction, an answer, a response. I I have found the same thing. Singing to an animal, the animal will actually, a wild animal, can slowly start approaching. Or even a snake, a venomous snake, might start out of curiosity or drawn by the resonance, the, the vibrations. Uh, if they're harmonious, and and all of nature responds to our songs, absolutely. And I think you're doing it with what you call an obsession. Maybe let's <laughs> say developing skillful means through consistent practice. So you know, by doing something for a long time, uh, you you had uh, an inner realization, a becoming. Uh, familiar with the, the how, what the song could do. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really loved reading that article you wrote because it's adding information to my experience, you know, because I've never really had a lot of information about what I'm doing or why I'm doing it apart from my own intuition and the information that I get from spirit. You know, it's really nice to get something that's coming from in the world around me in the physical sense, you know? 
Right. Well, I think a lot of us, I mean, not all of us, certainly. Some people start with an education in the university and learn all these things in their head and then discover experientially. But I did something similar to you, perhaps, that I, I would discover things intuitively and by experiencing things in nature and just by spontaneously singing or creating a song on the harp or the voice uh, and finding you know, observing what, what happened. Um, and, and that's how I discovered these things in the beginning. And from indigenous cultures, participating in various rituals and observing how they used sound and what effects it created. And it was fascinating. And then I, and then after that, I did the science and the history and all, all of the pragmatic things to put it together into a kind of solid form. But I think we all have that capacity and really a desire to connect mm. with life in a, in a simple way, in a pure, direct way. The, the Yaki, I don't know if you know about the Yaki tradition. They're, they're an indigenous tribe from northern Mexico and now uh, into uh, southern Arizona. And they say that song is the intelligent language of the universe. And when I read that decades ago, it really rang true. And that song is of the stars. The stars are making music. Now the, the recordings of the Voyager series and other things coming out of NASA and other space explorations are showing us, yes, indeed, Jupiter is singing, the Earth is singing, the star system over here is making all myriad symphonies of frequencies. So everything is music. Yeah, and, and that's what I love about sound and chanting is it's quite simple. <laughs> you can just, you know, launch yourself into a chant practice and stuff happens, you know. It's... Yeah. it's you need a bit of self-discipline to do it every day, but you know, it's such an amazing tool. Yeah, it is. And even if people aren't interested in mantras and chanting, spontaneously singing to a child, yeah. humming from the heart, a direct, just a simple giving song can have incredible power and connection for that little little being, or to an animal, uh, to to anyone. I, I find that if I'm in a in a uh, a shop, well, usually it's it's more in the United States when I'm visiting my family, and um, you know, shopping malls and centers are, are very common there. In every little town, there's another shopping center, and. Um, and often there'll be a child that's upset and the mother's very, the parents are frustrated. And I just start humming or singing softly around just nearby, enough that the child can hear. And it's really fascinating to see the effects. They start listening and kind of going, hmm, hmm, what's that? <laughs> it's a way of distracting. <laughs> that's a great idea. I like that. <laughs> yeah 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 so i will um i will for the people listening i will put the link to the article that i keep referring to 
um because it's it's so it's so interesting i will put that into the the show notes so people can go away and 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 read it but yeah because one of one of the things another thing in there that was really interesting is this thing about voices and tones right and you know I had no idea that people could have tones missing or did you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah. Um, this is something that, that I, I started uh, working with in the early 1990s. I, I went to a couple of courses with amazing teachers. One was Sherry Edwards, who was doing university research and the university of uh, Ohio, I believe. Yeah. Athens, Ohio. And um, so I went to a, a long course of hers, and it was in voice analysis, which is also called voice diagnostics these days. And um, it was a way of listening to a voice with a little machine to discover what tones were present and what tones were missing. And that tone pattern in everyone's voice tells a story. So we can learn things like what patterns uh, of emotions or uh, mental constructs, physical, even genetic tendencies are present in those frequencies and what might support each person by bringing in the missing tones. For instance, there's a, a, a little wheel that I work with and it has the 12 tones of the music scale. You can share it with your folks if they like to see it. And um, it has the 12 notes of, of the Western musical scale and the 12 signs of the zodiac and the 12 colors. And normally when we do a, a look at a voice pattern, normally most people are dropping out or missing in half the musical scale, which is a lot. Six out of 12. And that's pretty common. So what does that tell us? Tells us that there is a lot of potential that that person may not be utilizing or aware of or activating in their lives. And each tone can relate to maybe a hidden gift for creativity, for well-being, for intelligence, you know, uh, energy, creating more energy, uh, potential in our lives, uh, feeling better, feeling whole and integrated. Those are a few of the things that we work with in, in voice analysis. So I've been doing this for decades, and I found that, that many people find benefit and all different levels of effects. So it can be physical or mental or emotional or just a feeling. If you have all your tones ringing, it's like having a, a full symphony happening. And if you have your full symphony activated and all the tones, mm -hmm. then there's uh, full potential for creativity, manifesting wishes and visions, being more effective in the world. That's a bit, a bit of what it is. Yeah. So, so when people are speaking, those tones are missing. 
but they are there as potential. So if they sit, they can sing, they can sing those tones, like if they're doing toning. But when they're speaking, they're not, they're not coming out. Is that right? Well, yeah, and it, it, the normal speaking voice has a pattern, and and there is usually a limited range of of tones that most people choose to speak in from whatever for whatever reason, patterning of, of that individual. Uh, it, you could look at that, that pattern of tones as kind of a soul song. But underneath, the ones that aren't emanating or, or spoken have enormous potential. And so it's like having a, an eight-cylinder motor that's firing on four or three sometimes, you know, we want to really have that full potential and energy happening. So the, the, the thing that happens is once we establish what tones are, are present and missing, then the person is given a formula like a, a sound RX. <laughs> and, um, and this is something that was done in ancient times. It's nothing new. Um, uh, uh, say, for instance, they would be given a D as in darling tone to tone along with if that was one of their main areas of missing frequency. And then they would tone along with that. And what happens is the brain is stimulated to recognize that frequency. And that frequency then is sent to all parts of the body, the organs, the bones, the, the tissues, and the patterning in, in the brain and in, in the emotional body. And so there can be old patterns that are set free just by bringing in a frequency that relates to some trauma of some sort. It's a very complex science, but actually we can bring it down to a very simple, simple thing uh, that, that this sound science was used in Egypt and Greece in the Platonic Academies. They worked with the cycles of the heavens and, and the movements of the planets as music. And so uh, you've probably heard the story about Pythagoras and the seven tones and the seven planets. Uh, the, the ancient traditions were, were incorporating a lot of uh, the same science that we're working with today. So they would give a sound Rx, say, for instance, Pythagoras with his lyre and, his, the, and the voice, give a person a particular uh, prescription for using sound to balance them or a particular mode of music to balance the humors or balance the, the whatever the person's imbalance was. Mm. That's just a little example. Mm. Because people's speaking voice and their singing voice are generally quite different, aren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it's interesting because you would think that a singer would have all the tones happening, and it's not true. We still go back to that basic soul song that tells a story. And then, you know, I find that, that people that regularly chant or sing uh, tend to have more of, of the tones available in the speaking voice. 
Um, a person, for instance, who is shut down emotionally might speak in a more monotone. You know, if they're hiding their emotions and they're going to talk like this and they don't want to really, really reveal that they, they really have feelings, you know. And, and so the more creative and expressive the person, the more the, the musicality of the, of the speaking voice really so when you when you like take this um, analysis of the voice, does a person have to be with you physically, or can you do it like? No. Yeah, I it, over the years it has moved more gradually, and especially during COVID, yeah. everything became virtual. Yeah, so virtual. I, that was the word I was looking for. My brain went blank. I couldn't find it. Virtual. That's it. Yeah. Reality. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's virtual now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, I, I, I work uh, virtually. And actually, I'm even going to be retiring from that because I've been doing this for many, many decades. And uh, I just want to write my books. But So I, I developed this course recently. It took a good year, just over a year, and just launched it. But it's a way to teach people about this science and even to get a certification for practicing as a voice analysis uh, practitioner uh, to help people, to help liberate souls. So I've, I've put this giant course together. And, uh, and uh, so it, it has a lot of the things we're talking about. And, you know, even the, the ancient history, the, the roots, where, where this science came from. In, in our historical knowledge, anyway, um, and, and some of the indigenous practices. And you, you mentioned the chanting practices and, and uh, the Tibetan uh, chanting or the Sanskrit chanting or Hawaiian or whatever ancient language we choose to work with. Those ancient languages have more of a direct connection to be able to manifest what we're chanting about. For instance, if we're doing a healing mantra, if we're doing it in English, it may not, unless we have a really powerful intention, the, 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 the magical quality of ancient seed syllables have the potential to create certain realities. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that has been my experience. So I think I, I do chants in Sanskrit and Old Norse and Hawaiian. I think just those three, and then because they are, I think we've got more and more mental in into the mental layer as time has gone on, and those languages they're they're more ancient and they're they're in a different sort of range, much more in the body but spiritual, you know. Yeah. Connected, as we were talking about. Yeah, Inter connected. Yeah, fragmented. It's not. It's not all in the head. Yeah, just get fragmented, just like our own selves. I mean, so many people are shattered and stressed out lately. And and going back to some of those ancient traditions, ancient languages, where the seed syllable of the mantra has the potency within it. I had a Tibetan teacher many years ago who, who said that there was a language pre-Sanskrit. 
Sanskrit may be the closest to this ancient language. And she said, when any phrase or, or combination of syllables was uttered, that which it meant, or the meaning of those syllables, manifest, manifested instantly. Yes. And that's a powerful concept to just sort of contemplate, that if language, and of course intention behind the sound being created, can really create a new world, a new field, a new reality in our lives, wow, why don't we use that, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I got shivers as you mentioned that language pre-Sanskrit and then when you're talking about manifesting it directly I thought yeah and it's good we don't have that now because we don't have the wisdom at the moment as as a human race to to use that for the highest good but um maybe it will come back because you know yeah we we are in touch with so much and bits that get lost we re-remember them you know, as a as a collective, and that's so much of of what is happening now, isn't it? I mean, it's really beautiful to to talk to people like you who have just like you've dedicated your whole life, and now there's this incredible course that you're offering that people can just go and get all this. You know, it's just and there's so much in it from all of this. <laughs> it's incredible, Rachel, and you know, as we're talking. Um, I think, there, you know, it's, things come out when you're, you're discussing with another, uh, a like-minded person, and things that I hadn't really thought of before, but um, I think we'll come up with a new language that maybe is rooted in these ancient languages, but it's, I think they had that idea in the Esperanto idea of that new language of Earth, but, uh, you know, perhaps rooted in some of these ancient syllables that have a connection. And I, I love this. It, it, you can look at certain words or, or syllables in the Egyptian, Sanskrit, Mayan, Hebrew languages, and they mean the same thing. For instance, the syllable na, N-A, na. It's written in Egyptian hieroglyphs as two wavy lines parallel each other, which is the symbol for the age of Aquarius. And it means water. But it also means, in every ancient language, snake. And so this waveform movement of sound and water and the way snakes move that waveform movement means a similar thing in almost every ancient language in the root syllables. So maybe we'll come up with a new language yeah. that you know you, utilizes this science. I think I think so because language is constantly evolving anyway, isn't it? And then the language comes from our consciousness. So as the consciousness is evolving, the language will evolve with it. And it is something I, I get quite frustrated with English when I'm trying to teach people about these incredibly high vibrational concepts. And the words are just not there. And I say, like, I'm just doing my best, 
but these words do not, you know. And I do wish that I spoke Hawaiian because I know that it is much better at describing these kind of energy yeah. concepts, energy science, metaphysics, and 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 so on. But I think Americans are quite good for coming up with new expressions and new words. I've noticed that much better than the English. I think it's probably because we're a bit too stuck in our, you know. I don't know. I think it, Pause, it, it I stuck. But, um, <laughs> you know, when we're talking about languages, I, I think about words like transcendent and numinous. And, and, and yet, you're right, they don't really give the full picture. Um, right. No, they yeah. don't hold. They don't hold that vibration of what it is that you're speaking about, you know. And it's like, but people, so it's, it's okay because, like, the people that I'm teaching or the people that you're working with, they can feel those energies. They're sensitives, so they get it. They get it anyway, you know. And we just, we just have to, we just have to do our best, don't we, as we go along. You know what? We're on a, an interesting track here, and that is that, you know. How do we transmit more directly a state of being or a high thought form? And for me, music is a direct way. Uh, in, certain imagery is, is a more direct way than language. Uh, it's another kind of language, of course. But I, I often, if I'm talking about something, even in this, this online virtual uh, training that I do, I will often give examples of sound or go over to the harp and start playing what that planetary sound might sound like or what that state of being might feel like, you know, for people yeah. and to give them a direct experience of that altered state um, instead of just talking about it, I think is really important. Yeah, 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 because it, it just completely bypasses the mental mind then doesn't it and goes it goes straight to the heart of the soul basically yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Casey was the one that said music is the bridge and it's the the bridge into the future world you know it's it's the medicine of the future he said and here we are using sound as non-invasive uh medicine and, and and surgery and and diagnostic tools in fact the, the the voice diagnostics is used in medicine to discover aberrant gene behavior or aberrant uh you know behavior or, or presence of disease or virus before it happens that's amazing frequencies go out of tune there's a lot of research, and I talk about some of this in the course, but there was research out of Harvard University Medical School, and they were able to translate into musical tones healthy gene activity and cancerous gene activity, or gene activity that was precancerous and on its way to become diseased. And, they, and, and the sounds, instead of being a beautiful, harmonious chord, became discordant. It's fascinating what we can do. That is incredible. I had no, I had no idea. But, but, but as you're saying it, it, 
it makes sense. I mean, people yeah. like that, that Chinese, I'm, I'm really bad at remembering names of things, but they can tell so much by looking at the eye. So yeah, yeah of course you can, you can tell like from the sounds and the voice and all the, the timbers that it's holding. And that is really, really magical. What kind of equipment do people need to, to learn, to be able to do this voice analysis? Is it, is it complicated? No, no, actually it's not. And that's, that's a good question because a lot of the programs of voice diagnostics are very high-tech and very um, fancy and very expensive, some of them. And um, there are all kinds of programs that you can get. But I find that having an organic approach and just using a simple chromatic tuner that you are able to see, oh, there's the C tone, there's the F tone. And by the end of an analysis, you see what tones are actually coming up in the voice. It's a very simple uh, approach and uh, something that anyone can do. And the cost is very, very, very low, you know, very inexpensive for the equipment. In fact, when, I, when people sign up to the course, there's a little, a special page just dedicated to the equipment or a couple of pages that describes, you know, what, what the equipment is, how much, and it's very little, under $200 U.S., so it's, mm. it's not compared to a lot of the choices out there. And, and you know, on that, on that idea of keeping things organic and simple, um, the application of this work is also uh, based on natural acoustic instruments. It's not a high-tech computer-generated tone, because that's what I was shown in, in the beginning when I was doing this work is, well, the application is this computerized frequency, and I couldn't really listen to it. It was irritating to me. And how often is someone going to want to listen to that? You know, how often do we want to repeat that? So I created a more organic form of, of the application, which is, um, I think, I think I, you have a sample of that that you can share with people to give them a sense, but it uses the harp and the didgeridoo, overtone chanting, Tibetan bowls, and whale song. Oh. I wanted to ask you about that, actually. So, so the thing that we're talking about here, it's a, it's a piece of music that holds the vibration for Aquarius. Is that right? Yeah, there are 12 different tones and 12 different signs and 12 different... Uh, tone meditations. So say, for instance, if a person needed the A-sharp Aquarius tone, um, which would be to feed the nervous system, to help with electrical pollution issues, stress, insomnia, etc., um, they would put that tone on and then just tone along. And there's also a mantra, very subtle, because not everyone likes a mantra so it's very subtle in the background people can tone along with with the mantra as well so they get the medicine of the ancient sanskrit and, and tibetan uh, medicine in the mantra but also the tone that they would be needing and it's like a sound bath it's like a form of well you work with high frequencies and altered states of being and and this this creates an altered state creates a coherent brain state in which healing can take place more naturally. 
what does the what does the whale song do in that piece of music why is that there yeah i put that in because the whales are one of the sound masters of the planet ancient sound masters and they make what is called a microtonal scale they bend the notes and when they're their voices, their, their sounds are hitting all the tones between the tones, which we don't get in modern music. Our scales are very limited, and it's like working within the box, you know. And so the whales take us out of the box and into a whole world of microtonal, myriad, subtle frequencies. That's incredible. That's it. But I, I, I really wanted to ask you. That makes so much sense. What you're saying. I used to listen to whale, whale singing after I came back from. I went to the Big Island. I think in two thousand and five, and there was um, a microphone somewhere around there that used to be in the water. It was called Jupiter something. I don't think they do it anymore. And you could actually go on there and listen to their recordings of the whales. And I just used to play it over and over because I found it so soothing to my nervous system, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's why I put that on there. Yeah. And bring a magical quality in. Totally. And so is that kind of linked to like the age of Aquarius as well? Well, it's a good question. Um, you know, because of the precession of the heavens, the, 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 the moving of the zodiac in the heavens moves very, very slowly. Uh, one degree every 72 years. And so there's a movement, a slow movement, where the sign of the, of the, or the zodiac constellation, the constellation that is rising in the east on spring equinox, shifts. So we're moving toward, the, from out of Pisces into Aquarius, and uh, uh, many people, including myself, felt like when these planets uh, conjuncted in Aquarius a couple of years ago, I think it was first Jupiter and Saturn were conjunct in the heavens around winter solstice. And this big movement into Aquarius uh, might have signaled the entry into the age of Aquarius. And it's interesting because... The tone Aquarius relates to electrical frequencies, nervous systems, uh, sound waves that we're using. We have we are bombarded by sound waves in modern May, emanating through satellites and all the technology on the planet, and uh, so many nervous systems are stressed. And this would relate also to the A sharp frequency. Um, so there's a correlation with the age of Aquarius, but also what's happening on the planet and what's happening in our nervous systems and with technology. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's a huge, huge shift that we're going through from one age to another. And that's going to take a while for humanity to process, isn't it? So really, we all we all need that. We all need that 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 A sharp because in our lifetimes, we are. This is what we're going through. We're going through this change, and probably for some generations to come as well. Yeah, actually, having said all this about 
the A-sharp tone, not everyone does need that. Everyone needs to be uh, de-stressed for sure, but that, that key tone that is going to de-stress each person is individual. It's yeah, unique okay. with each person. Yeah. For instance, you might have too much A-sharp in, in your voice. and you're, you're, Really? Uh, uh, well, I don't know, but I mean, I haven't tested it. But, you know, if you were, say, missing the opposite tone, which is the, the tone me or E, uh, E is an elegant, um, you know, that's the tone that would help you de-stress more. Okay. It's, it's individual, and I think the Sufi tradition, the Sufi masters, they were not only poets, but musicians. And they had a system of science of the voice that was so ahead of its time, but based on ancient traditions, they could, a, a master Sufi could just listen without a machine to your voice and tell you exactly what tone you needed as a key tone to release all of the potentiality of your being that would liberate your life, liberate your entire being. This is the same principle we're using, but I'm not as good as that. I'm not a Sufi master. So I use a little machine. But also, intuitives can also kind of sense what tone is needed. You know, or kinesiology can also be a tool in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's quite wild, though, that, that you can have too much of something as well. And again, you know, now you've said it, it's like, oh, that makes sense. But wow, I would never have thought of that at all. I think a lot of the people who will be coming to your course will have a lot of other skills already, won't they? And they'll be healers and kinesiologists and, and it, it, they'll have a lot of intuitive skills, a lot of people to bring to that as well some you're right some do but not all and actually it's absolutely not essential to be a healer or a musician or or have any kind of sound skills at all um but it's just basically a system that is really easy to use to help ourselves and others and my vision is to have you know, really many people sounding these beautiful harmonics and the, the, the sounds that heal them throughout the world, like we were talking about the perpetual choirs, you know, bringing back the, the more songs. Uh, so many ancient philosophers and, and even uh, scientists say things like, you know, the songs, the stars need our songs. The stars are singing in us, but actually we need the gods and goddesses need our songs. They thrive on our songs. So if we are singing with all of our frequencies, our, our symphonies are tuned and whole, say for instance, then we can have a greater beneficial impact not only on on our world on our children our families our environment but it goes out forever it, it, the the nature of harmonics is unlimited it goes out 
there was a, uh, a harpist from, I think he was Scottish, Billy Jackson said that, you know, when, when you pluck your harp and you open the window, the, the sound goes to the stars and beyond, you know, and, and it, it's, it's actually a scientific principle, the harmonics go out like the ripples of a pond. Mm. So how are we affecting our world? Mm. What impact are we having, you know? And the, and the chanting that you would do that you called obsession. Because <laughs> you were creating all of that. I call it a, a beneficial sound bank, you know, the, the Tibetans you know, were doing uh, healing mantras. But it creates benevolent energy that can be utilized by any living being. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I don't mean obsession in a, in, a, in a negative sense. It's how it's how spirit works through me that I get compelled to do things and I, I can't stop, you know, and, and they really have been like past life connections that I'm reconnecting with. And the chance that I sing, there's not hundreds of them. There's like a handful of them. And they're like my, my power songs and they're all really bringing back things from past lives that I can sort of utilise again this time without having to do quite so much work. So, you know, they're, they're really, really useful from, from that sense. But I've got, I just love this idea of, you know, the perpetual chanting, creating harmony. You've, you've really given me that vision now. You know, Jim Henson, who was the Englishman who created the film The Dark Crystal and I think The Muppets and all different magical, magical things. Bless him. I think that having a revival of Jim Henson uh, in a a new production, but that, that film, The Dark Crystal, is a classic that he created. And in it, there are what I call the omers. They remind me of uh, old hooded Tibetan monks. And they're always oming. They're always chanting throughout the background of the film. They're always holding this matrix together with their sounds. And we need that. We need that matrix to be stronger because... Now it's rent with bombs going off in various countries and conflicts and all of the divisive things in our modern, modern world, the fragmentation. We need the matrix to be strong, like that golden net, you know, visualizing that golden net that surrounds the planet, uh, fed by harmonious song and, and love and you know, strengthening that at this time. Yeah, absolutely. So your 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 course, I guess it's it's all there waiting for people to do, and they can do it at their own pace. Is that right, or is it a structured thing? Yeah. No, no, it's it's at their own pace, and I, I, it was recommended to me by a gal who's really good at online trainings, which I knew nothing about. Um, I still know. <laughs> fairly little about putting this together all the way did it it's a miracle oh my gosh it was quite a job but anyway she said oh you want to make it rare you want to make it um 
you know, uh, only specific moments is it offered, and and in that limitation is an attraction. It's used in sales, right? And I really didn't want to do that, even if I don't get as many people. I wanted to make it free and open, liberated, uh, so that people can join at their own pace when they're ready, uh, and take the course at their own pace you know and many people are busy they don't have time to do something every day or they might not have time to do it until three months from now so it's still going to be there and what we'll, what I'm going to be doing is monthly chats on zoom like we're doing with the participants for questions and you know pumping them up and and new research that's coming out and and to make it more you know it's still virtual, but live virtual, and um, and and in the and in the in the course itself, there's a lot of uh, chanting and music, and uh, you know, it keeps it alive. I think that's an important aspect of of teaching something like this that can get really heady with a lot of information. It's important to integrate and help people to really absorb on a feeling level, what the concepts are. So I use a lot of the, the music in between. Sounds, I mean, I, I want to do it. <laughs> it sounds absolutely great. <laughs> uh, well, it, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting training. It has 37 different videos and people get a certificate at the end and they, you know, will be prepared to actually do this work of doing voice analysis if they choose. Mm. If not, they have a body of information to take into their lives and utilize in whatever way works for them. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so you're, you're taking all of this stuff that you've learned and experienced and you're passing it on now. It's time for other people to, to take it out there. And you can get on with, like, writing your books. <laughs> exactly. I have stacks of them all planned already, and I'm not even done with the first. <laughs> oh, that sounds fabulous. And I was thinking that when I read your article, I was thinking, I don't remember seeing any books by Annie. There should be books by Annie. <laughs> This woman knows a lot. Where's the books? And so there they are. They're, they're waiting in the, in the wings. Where's the book? But I, I'm published in three books, but they're not my own books. I've written oh, okay. the compilations in various books on the Cathars, on Mary Magdalene, and the Templars, and different things. But, uh, and they're pretty hefty, you know, sometimes 22-page long articles with imagery and all that. But anyway... I'm excited about this because I'm nearing the end of, of book one, and I think it will be like a trilogy covering uh, sound traditions, but ancient sites. And uh, in, in the Pyrenees landscape in the beginning for book one, it's called A Dragon Path, Feminine Temples Across the Pyrenees. And um, I explore... And, and it's a, it would be interesting to you, a lot of the explorations that I do, that I tell about in the book, it's like an adventure story, really. Um, 
the the places that I go to are almost all from dream guidance. My teachers in the dreams will say, you need to do this, you need to go here, you need to find this. And so I set out in search for these places and these mysterious stones that tell a story of Egyptian rituals. I mean, all it's, it's quite a, an adventure. So um, I'm, I'm working on it every day, trying to get it finished. It's a huge undertaking. I know. <laughs> it's a huge undertaking. Yeah. And also, and also the online course that you've done, it, it is, it is massive to do, to do these projects. So um, I hope you're getting some holidays in between. Always. <laughs> Actually, every morning is a holiday. I, I take a very slow morning meditation, tea, saying hello to nature and the sun. And I think that's important for all of us to be, like you mentioned in the beginning, reconnecting with nature and getting exercise and walking. And I think that's an important balance that we really, really need to keep going. Yeah. If we want to you know we have to balance yeah. that yeah yeah, yeah 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 that's right that book sounds amazing can we do another interview when you've done it and it's coming out <laughs> yeah, I love it I've totally enjoyed talking to you Rachel wonderful well, well I hope you have a lovely rest of your day have you got any plans for today yeah, I need to get out for a walk. They say a thunderstorm is coming, so I want to go walk along the river before the thunderstorm comes in. And then I'm going to go back to my writing. I'm working on a, a section about grail cups in the Pyrenees held by a mysterious woman they call the Virgin, but I don't think it's the Virgin. Uh, <laughs> and all, you know, all sorts of fun things. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time today. It's been amazing talking to you. And I'm really looking forward to going away and, you know, delving deeper into your work and, and finding out more. And yeah, thank please, you. please do another interview when that book comes out. I'd love to talk to you about that. That just sounds so magical. Oh, thank you so much, Rachel. And blessings to you and, and your family. Thank you. So bye, everybody. I hope you've had a good time with us. I will be putting all sorts of goodies for you in the show notes from Anne. So blessings for now. Bye bye, everybody. Ah, in the mighty cup of 
na e kahaliko o akuku i Ahu hei a valea noe e kahaliko o akuku i Hey, no, no, na, ka ue i.